Hey, it's Brittany Sierra, and welcome back to the Crash Course Fashion Podcast. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes to explore the multifaceted and often complicated reality of building and scaling a purpose-driven brand. In today's episode, I spoke with Jake Disraeli, the co-founder and CEO of Treat, which helps support fashion brands on their journey to circularity by enabling peer-to-peer resale experiences where customers can buy and sell from each other. The cool thing about Treat is that they manage the entire resale experience from support to logistics, while brands are unlocking new revenue streams and access to new customers with each and every sale. Leading sustainable brands like Boyish, Woven, and Good Fair use Treat to keep their items out of landfills while simultaneously strengthening customer loyalty. In this episode, I spoke with Jake about all things business of resale. So everything from what's driving brands to adopt resale models to how brands can approach the conflicting nature of wanting to be more sustainable with resale while also addressing the need as a business to produce and sell new items. And true to the name of the podcast, Jake shared his best crash course lessons on how fashion brands can profitably enter into the secondhand market. So if resale is something that you're interested in, here's my conversation with Jake. So I recently learned something new about you that we have in common, and that is that neither one of us intended initially to create the businesses that we founded. (laughs) For those of you that are familiar with the Sustainable Fashion Forum and our story, you know that I definitely did not wake up in the morning and say, hey, I think I'm going to create a conference about (laughs) sustainable fashion. And for you, this wasn't something that was top of mind for you as well. So I'm curious, how did you get into the work that you're doing now. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. I am. Um, so I actually, before Treat, I was working at Indiegogo, the global crowdfunding platform, uh, running their sales and launch teams. And I left that job a little over a year ago to start my own men's fashion line. So my background, I've worked with consumer brands for a long time. I've started a couple Shopify businesses, um, kind of also in the vein of using recycled products doing something involved in or related to sustainability. And so my goal was to actually create a men's fashion line that incorporated some of the new models that, that we're seeing become so popular today, which are like re- resale, rental, trade back, or take back. And, uh, and so I went through the process of starting to create that business and even came out with a name for the company, built the website, started uh, pre-marketing and doing different ad testing and talking to manufacturers about how I would go wow. about building this. Um, and, uh, I started to run into a little, uh, a number of hurdles when it came to the tech solutions, the uh, software that I would need to enable the type of experiences that I was trying to, uh, to, to create for my customers. And so around that time, I started talking to my now co-founder, Sonia, who's a brilliant engineer. And she was a, uh, on the growth team at, uh, at Airbnb. And we started to brainstorm together about the tech solution that I would need to build, uh, in order to create those solutions. And it really kind of, we had this light bulb moment of, oh, wow, this is a, it's going to be pretty involved. Um, and I wonder if there are a number of other apparel brands that were e-commerce or fashion brands that would be interested in something like this. So we quickly pivoted into 
like from creating the brand that incorporated these solutions to actually the creating the engine that could power brands to create these solutions. And, and in doing so, we thought we can create a much bigger impact and create a bigger business. Um, and that really led us to talking with a lot of apparel brands and fashion brands about what they would need for something like this to create resale for them. Um, and that's when we started Treat. I love that. I've been having so much fun with this podcast and getting to hear people's stories and the trajectory of their career. And I think it's so interesting, even when I reflect on my own career of thinking that I was going to do one thing and the universe sort of steers you in, in the direction of where, you, where you're supposed to be. And it turns out that where you are, where you're going is so much better than what you could have imagined. Yeah, it, it is funny how things work out. And then you feel like you're where you're supposed to be. And I, I think we got really lucky too with, um, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll dig into this more, but just with the growth and resale and with this, this past year, the excitement about brands getting involved in resale and um, just kind of like right place, right time for this sort of company to, to take off. Oh, for sure. And actually, you know, that brings me to my first question, which is, I saw recently in a Business of Fashion report that it's estimated that the resale market is currently worth $130 billion and it's only predicted to continue to grow and it will actually outgrow fast fashion in the coming years. So I'm curious from your perspective, what do you think is contributing to the growth of this industry? Like, why is it growing like weeds? Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really been pretty wild to see the growth of resale. And like you said, it's grown, uh, set to outpace fast fashion. It's actually going to 2X fast fashion in 2030. It's growing 11 times faster than retail. And um, I would also give a shout out to uh, ThreadUp. They've done a great job just doing proje- projections as well and about the growth in the industry. And a lot of what we're seeing is coming from consumers and especially the younger generation. You probably won't be surprised to learn that a huge portion of the growth in resale is coming from Gen Z, coming from millennials, and even a portion from Gen X as well. Um, and what, what we're seeing is it's really like the changing habits of shopping. And especially with the younger generation, uh, really adopting the, you know, rotating wardrobe, if you will, you know, trying to tr- have a lot of different items that are rotating in and out of their closet. It's kind of also sort of the Instagram generation of wanting to wear a lot of different types of clothing. And resale gives them the ability to do that in a way that is a lot more affordable. Um, and for them, especially with being more environmentally conscious, uh, it creates the, the ability to participate uh, in the rotating closet and having lots of clothes in a way that feels a little bit less guilty and a little bit more environmentally friendly to keep their closets fresh. And so at least that's, that's what's a huge driver from the consumer side of things. It's this affordability of being able to buy clothes to keep their wardrobe fresh and, and be environmentally friendly at the same time, which is part of the reason why it's really outpacing fast fashion. And, uh, and similarly, because it's driven through consumers and, and shoppers to drive resale to what it is today, um, it's really enabled, well, it's also partly because of the technology platforms that have enabled this to happen. So you have cons- the, the desire from consumers to want to be in more, more environmentally conscious and swap out their wardrobe. Then you have platforms that are allowing them to do that in the highest uh, volume possible, the easiest way possible, most seamless. Um, and so the, the combination of those trends has really led uh, to the excitement around, around resale. And because of that, and I'm, I'm sure we'll also dig into this as well, which is um, because of those factors, brands have been really excited, especially in the last couple of years, 
to start getting involved in resale with more consumers participating in resale, with more consumers demanding that brands be more uh, conscious, be more sustainable and start adopting different, more sustainable models. That's led them to start thinking about resale and, and experimenting and adop- adopting in different ways. So it sounds like from the consumer standpoint, the desire for resale is really stemming from this win-win situation where they're able to update their wardrobes and get new items and sort of fulfill that human desire for new things, but they're able to do it in a way that is more environmentally friendly. And like you said, they can do it in a way that they have less guilt about it. I'm curious from a brand perspective, I know that you mentioned a few reasons why brands are getting into resale, but I'd love to dive a little bit deeper and understand why so many brands and even traditional retailers are getting into the secondhand market. I mean, the list is like literally only getting longer and longer. It seems like every day someone else is announcing that they're getting into resale. And so I'm curious to know why it's so appealing and what's driving so many companies to want to adopt a resale model. Yeah, so uh, the, the the top points that we mentioned still ring true for a lot of brands. It's it's really partly the growth in resale. You know, we're all seeing those same reports and those same numbers and the growth. And so, as you can imagine, um, for for some of these bigger brands, their resale market is in the tens of millions of dollars, like potential GMV or potential volume that they can tap into to reach new customers, um, and as a as like a growth system for them. And it's become really too big to ignore in that sense. The other piece is it's a way for, it's one way that brands can be more sustainable. It's like one part of the puzzle where they can adopt a more sustainable model in a way that also brings them in some revenue. They can learn more about their customers and adopt greater loyalty. So it's these combination of factors that make it really interesting. I would also emphasize those last couple of points, which um, which are like bringing net new customers for brands, especially with advertising dollars being what they are today. It's it's harder than ever to capture the attention of new customers. And with new businesses popping up all the time, it's never been easier to launch a fashion brand. Uh, and so there's competing eyeballs across the board. And so anything that you can do to reach a new audience is something that you might want to do. And resale is a way to reach a, a younger audience that's more price conscious, more environmentally conscious, and it's kind of like an appetizer, if you will, into the brand. And it's a way that you can introduce the brand at an affordable price and get them to, to stay longer, which leads into customer loyalty. So uh, it's a way for brands to, to drive and strengthen customer loyalty and customer lifetime value of their current customers. And so it really drives up those numbers as well by participating when items are sold the first time, second time, and third, you're creating new transactions, new ways to engage with your audience, um, and you're creating paths that uh, that allow your community to participate in the way that they want to shop. And so as they're shopping these brands, and as you're seeing them having resale solutions, you know that you can uh, participate in the resale of those clothing when you're done with it. And so you have a different relationship with that brand, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would also say that uh, it really depends on... Um, what it depends on the brand for what value they see in resale. So some brands, especially we work with a lot of brands that are really trying to be more conscious and sustainable. Um, shout out to you know Boyish and, and Wolven and some of the other brands that we work with that are not just thinking about resale as like that is the piece that makes them a sustainable brand. It starts at the inception of their products, the creation of their goods, what fabrics are they 
um, are they using, and um, and you know where are they manufacturing and ethical practices, etc. And then thinking through the um, the resale of their clothing and the end of life solutions as well. And so for them, it's really all about sustainability. Whereas for other brands, it might be more trend driven, more about the resale growth and financially driven. And others you know, finding new customers and customer loyalty. So different brands are kind of latching onto different aspects of resale. I love that you bring that up because there are definitely brands where sustainability is inherently woven into the fabric of their business and of their DNA. And so getting into resale, you know, it really isn't just a, a show of sustainability. It really is just another layer of sustainability for them because everything that they do is purpose-driven and and falls back on the ethos of who they are as a company and as a brand. And then, of course, there's the other side of that coin, which are brands who are getting involved in resale as their way to be a part of the sustainability movement and a a way to say that they are sustainability-focused. And, um, you know, that really makes me think about how resell can actually be a solution, right? A lot of times when brands are announcing that they're getting into resell, a lot of times what they're what they're saying is that they're they're wanting to enable a circular economy and they're wanting to, you know, um, yeah, I guess like really enable that circular economy. However, and they want resell to be a solution for, you know, fashion's pressing problems. However, it, it seems like in order for resale to truly be a solution, we have to think about degrowth, right? Because the whole idea is that with resale, you know, you're, you're trying to um, give old, old clothes a, a new life, right? And you're, you're not creating new product, new garments with new inputs. You're reusing those old inputs. And, you know, it's not just about the resale, right? And if we're creating a circular economy, it's about all the things and that includes lessening production and so i've been thinking a lot about resale and i've been thinking a lot about the brands that are getting involved in it and i've been wondering to myself you know is resale actually becoming an enabler for brands to continue to overproduce because now they have a solution for their excess clothing you know for the excess um you know, the garments that would be considered waste. Now there's a solution for that. And I mean, that's not even tapping into what happens to garments at the end, end, end of life, you know, when, when no one can, when you can't resell them anymore and you can't repurpose them anymore, what happens to that, those inputs at that point? Like that's not even touching on that, but I've just been thinking a lot about is resale actually enabling brands to continue to overproduce? Because like I said, now they have a solution for, all right, like this didn't sell. Let's put this into our resale, you know, market. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it is such a great question. And it is the right question to constantly be asking and, and also be asking the brands that are participating in resale and using resale as a way to, you know, quote, make them more sustainable because it is only one path. Um, there's a lot that I can unpack there. I'll try to be as uh, as brief as I, as I can, but feel free to, we can, we can dig on this one for a while. Um, I, I don't, I, part of what I mentioned earlier is I don't think that resale alone will be the answer to uh, to solving overproduction. It just, it, it can't be. There's so many different ways in different areas and um, in, 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 in a brand where you need to focus in on and, and create a full, to create actual circulation of the product, which starts at the inception of the goods themselves. 
Um, but I do think it's a step in the right direction. And as you and your probably listeners have, have heard uh, before, the idea of like progress over perfection. What resale is doing today is doing those things that we mentioned, which is keeping, trying to keep as many items out of landfills as possible. You know, a huge per- portion of items and, and textile goods that are making it into the landfill are resellable and they're repairable and they should be used longer. And so what resale is doing is extending the life of those goods. Um, on top of that, what we see with resale is, you know, at least at scale, the idea is that we want to have more people buying used clothes than, than new clothes. And so this concept of, can we increase the percentage of people buying used versus buying new? Um, and at scale, we think that that will cause brands to produce less new because there's less there's less customers buying new. There's only a finite number of dollars and customers that to go around to actually um, to, to, to buy new products, especially if more and more are buying used. And so as used grows and as resale grows, like we think, especially logically, that uh, that it makes sense that brands will reduce their 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 production. Um, that remains to be seen. You know, we're in, we're in the infancy of this market. And I think that constantly looking inward and, and talking about it and having conversations like these are the right are the right um, questions to are the right conversations to have um, and uh, and we're you know we're excited to to see where it goes um, but we certainly don't think that brands can or should lean on resale as their solution to overproduction alone um, it just it can't be that that way and we shouldn't let brands um, talk about resale in that way to get off the hook. I always think the conversation of sustainability is really interesting, especially when you think of it from a business standpoint, because it's it's there's so many gray areas, right, in sustainability alone. But then when you start talking about business, it it's so difficult to balance the scales of purpose and business because inherently what's good for business isn't good for sustainability and vice versa. And so I always love having these conversations and and sort of trying to find the answers because, you know, as we we were just discussing, resale can't be a solution for overproduction, right? Like we have to tackle that. But then if we're thinking about business, right, and and this idea of needing to sell new products in order to continue to bring in revenue, um, I guess the idea with resale is that perhaps we could be scaled in such a way that it's bringing in enough profit that brands can um, they can produce less, right? Because resale is so profitable that they don't need to continue to produce massive amounts of clothing. And so I'm I'm just like really curious, how do we get to that point, right? Like how do we get to this place where brands are no longer producing tons and tons and tons of clothing because resale is just so good. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so taking this question a couple of different ways, first by just going back to the what items you're creating in the first place. There are some some amazing companies, especially new companies that are popping out that are um, really questioning the models of creation of their clothes. So Boyish being a great example of I'm thinking about the water usage of creating of that's that's used in creating their jeans, um, where it's produced, what the workers are paid, et cetera. So starting at that inception, I know I've talked about that a few times, but it's really like the creation of goods. Um, and then it goes into resale. And so these brands that are um, creating a like a cycle of sustainability, starting at the inception all the way through resale and then the end of life recycling of their goods are the ones that are going to win. And 
when we think about the conflicting nature of needing to create new products versus resale, our goal is to make resale so profitable for the brands, give them so much data back to inform product development, to inform how much, how many units they're producing, to give them all of the data on their customers so that they know that when they create X product that they'll get Y in their resale market over time, which can help inform production, which can help reduce their desire to overproduce. And so that's, that's our end goal is how can we make resale work in such an effective way for brands where they, they're, they're thinking about it from the creation of their products in the first place. And, um, you know, we, we launched Treat earlier this year with our first brand, uh, Coquelico, a footwear company in, in New York, um, in February. And so this is, this is kind of year one of us leading this charge. And what's interesting is while there are bigger brands that uh, have launched e-commerce and resale in the last five years or maybe a little bit more, you know, Patagonia's of the world, et cetera, it's only this year that we've really like 5X or 10X the amount of brands that are now participating. We have the larger brands of the world and like the Levi's, et cetera, but you also have these amazing Shopify brands or smaller brands that are that are powerful and growing that are adopting resale and coming out. Um, and so it kind of remains to be seen how strong we're able to create their resale presence to help inform the next gener- the next you know cycle of products that they're producing. Yeah. You mentioned data as a value-add to brands to show how resale is impacting their business. I'm curious, what kind of data are you sharing with your partners? Yeah, so um, right now it's, you know, we're giving them obviously financial data, how much they're making from any give any item sold, which items are, are sold at what prices and what quantities. You know, we're analyzing trends in the resale market to understand if there are items that are being sold more often and what sizes to feed that back into the product development cycle to make sure that they're creating the right products that people are going to buy the next time around. And so we're, we're, we're uncovering new data all the time to figure out like what is the what are the right components of the pieces that we need to feed back into the brand to help them create this to, to make more informed decisions. What I also say is like, we want to figure out what, what, like, what else we need to provide, what else would be interesting. And so, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, if you have other ideas of like, oh, I wish I would knew this about my resale market, that would help inform why of, of, of this development. Those are the conversations that we're having with our brands that we can inform. How do we build out our dashboards? How do we build out reporting to make resale be the, you know, the highest value possible? But those are some of the things that we're um, feeding back to the brand today. All right, to anyone listening, if you have any feedback on what kind of data would be helpful for you to enable resell in your business, you have to give Jake a call. <laughs> well, I wanted to transition and talk about the challenges of resell. I know we've talked about the benefits and why brands are getting involved, but there are also a lot of challenges that come along with this really lucrative potential business opportunity for brands. And um, one of those challenges is the stream of inventory and the fact that it is inconsistent. And so that's really difficult to match demand with supply because, or supply with demand because, um, you know, you're really relying on customers to, to either post their product or, you know, send their product in in order for you to get product to be able to then sell. So I'm curious, what are some tactics that you've seen be successful for brands and getting customers, shoppers, citizens, whatever you want to call them, um, for getting them to return product or list product on a brand's um, resale site? 
What are your best tips for getting a steady stream of inventory for resale? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we think that actually going through the brands directly is one of the best ways to increase the percent of resellable items in the closet actually being resold on the market. And, you know, who has the data on who bought their items more than the brands themselves? You know, especially with D2C brands knowing who shopped and when, um, we're able to get them to send notifications at the right time to inform their audience that there is a resale solution that they can really quickly and easily list their items on and sell them um, with the highest sell-through rate at the at the highest prices because that's the dedicated community where their um, where their uh, customers are participating in resale. And so by going through the brands, that's kind of like the hack, if you will, to reach the right customers um, that uh, that have the items for sale. Um, and we help them with messaging. We have uh, you know different marketing plans in place to make sure that they're launching the programs effectively and informing the customers in the right way across the stream. But um, oftentimes they're launching their resale experiences similar to how they're launching any product line. You know, there's there's a pre-launch period where they're seeding the marketplace, both with um, items on hand that might be production units. Uh, or return inventory that they can't sell. So they're sometimes seeding the marketplace that way, but also with uh, with customers that are listing their items for sale uh, in advance of the launch itself. And then, you know, as you can imagine, having newsletter, social uh, support, play, the right placements on, on your homepage and um, on your product pages. And then beyond that, what we see is uh, just by having little automation set up in place, you know, X months after an item is sold, just to go out to say, hey, hope you're loving your product. Uh, if like if you're ever considering throwing it away or if it's sitting in your closet, let's keep it in circulation a little bit longer. Here's your dedicated path to, to doing that. That becomes really effective. And what we see is like more of a snowball effect where there's less need for the brands to actively promote their marketplace. And it becomes more known in the community that when you're ready to resell X item, that there is a solution for that. And that also starts at going to the website for the first time and, and seeing their resale solution and knowing, kind of being incepted at the beginning, that there is a path for you when you're ready to resell it afterwards. And so a lot of our brands that started with a bunch of promotions at the beginning haven't talked about resale in a while, but their resale communities on Treat are still live and active and new listings every day, new purchases, because that's where that community is going to. That's where they're talking about it and where they're transacting for that brand. Yeah, it seems like something like educating the consumer would be incredibly important for making resale happen because without them, without the consumers giving their product back, you know, or listing it, there, there's no inventory. And yeah, I mean, it's like totally changing consumer mindset or behavior, I guess, because for a long time, you know, people, when they were getting rid of their clothes, they gave it away or they gave it to a charity shop or threw it away. Um, whatever they did with it, but they weren't giving it back to the brand or even thinking about reselling the product. I mean, certainly there were people that were doing this way before, you know, it became this big, huge trend. But I think that overall, I don't think a lot of people were really thinking about reselling their clothes in the way that they are now. Well, what's really interesting, and uh, this goes back to the piece of like uh, going through the brands is a really interesting way to create new resellers. Um, a lot of the shoppers on Treat have never sold an item before online. And so oh, wow. they're, being, they're being educated about what resale is through the brands that they're buying new from. And so right. they're seeing this as a really just a quick and easy path. So they, they trust the brand already. 
Um, they know that they can really simply go into that experience and list from their order history to sell it in a quick way and a trusted experience. And um, because of that, they're, they're, they're becoming resellers. And so we think this will help just increase the amount of available uh, you know, resellers and, and, and use products you know, online. Mm, yeah. So another challenge is setting up the infrastructure. There's a lot needed for a brand to launch a resale platform and a lot of challenges and expenses that come with making something like this happen. And it almost seems like it could be easier for a brand to partner with a company like ThreadUp or The Real Real who's already doing these things at scale. What does the value add to a brand to take something like this on? And why would it be, why is it a value to them to incorporate resell into their model instead of um, outsourcing? Like what does Treat do to reduce those operating costs and simplify the listing process? What we do is actually, we pretty much take it entirely out of their hands. And so very rarely are brands involved in the logistics or the support or anything like that. Um, and we, we don't usually see brands taking on and building in their own re- like in-house resale program. They're usually uh, working with someone like us um, or maybe ThreadUp as well. Um, and what the way that we're able to do it is by creating a peer-to-peer model. So we've spent a lot of time developing really great software um, that it basically allows them to create this resale experience um, where their customers buy and sell from each other. And we, but Treat handles all the logistics. We handle the support, the shipping logistics, we handle the disbursements, any misrepresentation claims that arise. And so it is very, very hands-off for the brands. They get, they're involved in the creation of the, of the platform, helping set the rules. We integrate with Shopify support other platforms so that they can, um, we can pull in stock photos and descriptions and imagery, and then they help incorporate it in their customer journey and promote it. But that's usually the extent of, of their involvement. You know, they're helping launch and promote them, setting the rules. And then we're actually just, we're running it for them. Like our, our ability is, is building in this muscle so they don't have to. And so the last thing that we want to do is create more work for the brands because every brand has so much going on. Uh, and so creating a whole new support infrastructure and team to handle this sort of thing is just not feasible. It's, that's what makes it not profitable. And if it's not profitable for the brands, they won't do it. And so the goal is how do we make resale immediately profitable and beneficial for brands so that more brands do it and it's accessible for more brands. And this peer-to-peer resale approach allows us to reduce our overhead significantly. We're not taking an inventory. Um, it's it's all done you know, peer-to-peer, which actually makes it even more sustainable, less carbon emissions in terms of shipping, warehousing, um, laundry and, and whatnot, um, and makes it so that the brands get the get a, a great percentage or margin on the item sold, but so do the sellers. So doing a peer-to-peer exchange, uh, because the margins are low for everybody involved, we're able to give a significant portion back to the sellers on the platform. So versus the managed model where they send it back to, um, to a fulfillment center to, to work with and to resell, they might get you know, 30 or 40 or sometimes 10 or 20% of the item's value in the resale market, which is fine for some people that just kind of kind of give their clothes you know, in a bag away and, and, uh, and get some money back. And that's, and that's great. At least it's going in circulation. But for others that care more about the, the value that they're getting back, this sort of model gives them the highest percentage of their items sold um, in cash or credit back to them. I see. More money, more money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
I wanted to ask you about the how-to of brands getting into the resale secondhand space. You know, as we talked about, there's a lot of opportunity in resale, and I know a lot of brands are wanting to get involved and, and sort of figure out where they fit in, but it's it's a little challenging, especially, you know, trying to figure out like the right solution or the right way to go about it to make it actually make sense for your business. So I'm curious, what advice do you have for brands and companies that are wanting to get into resale but aren't necessarily sure where they fit in? And I guess I'm also curious, is resale something that a brand should look into only once they've reached a certain growth level or a certain revenue um, goal or marker? Is there is, is, is there like certain benchmarks for what you should have achieved before you tap into resale or is it something that you can get involved in at any stage of the business? Yeah, so my, my first piece of just general advice for anyone that's thinking about resale and wanting to learn more and wanting to see what it means for their brand is to join the conversation. So just by virtue of listening to this podcast um, is joining the conversation, talking to solution providers like Treat about about what resale could do for them, what benefits they might see in it, or talking to brands that have done it before. Um, This space is very open and collaborative to um, to have a conversation around it and be really authentic about um, what value at what stage and what could it bring to your company, et cetera. And so just starting to explore these things is the first step, just being open to it and seeing what it could do for your brand and um, not being scared of like, you know, there's this scary word cannibalization. I'll just say it uh, <laughs> that we, that we actually don't see all that often in resale. That could be a whole other podcast. Maybe we don't get into that as much, but in terms of size of company, um, we, we don't think that you need to be like a Levi's size or, or an REI or Patagonia to get into resale. Um, we work with a lot of like small to medium size, uh, great businesses that are doing anything from hundreds of thousands of sales all the way up to like several million, tens of millions of dollars in sales. Um, and resale means something different to each of them. For the larger businesses, they have to have more volume on their sites because they have more visitors coming to their site to actually make it worthwhile. And we work with them to develop the strategies to get there. For smaller businesses, they don't need the same amount of volume or supply um, on their resale experience because they have less traffic coming to their site and less people visiting. And so it's actually proportional to their size of business for how resale is working with you and is it doing what you want it to do. Also um, comes into play with how many SKUs you have, but we don't have to get so detailed um, in, in that way. Uh, and so uh, the one thing that I would say is that it really does start to make sense once you have more items in circulation for at least a period of time. And so ideally you've been in business for at least a year. You know, you have, you have inventory that's actually in the market that's being used. There might be some units that are ready to be, to be reused um, in the resale market. Even if you started to think about resale at the inception of your business, you probably, in all likelihood, probably wouldn't be the best or smartest move to start with a resale solution versus starting just have the conversation early, plan for it, create products that are resellable is probably the most important too. Higher quality items that last longer will mean that you benefit from your resale market in a drastically higher way. Um, and so that's, that's the kind of overall advice I give to people. You just join the conversation and start thinking about resale. Yeah. So if you're a smaller brand or you're just starting out and you know that resale is something that 
you want to be a part of your business model, it doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means that you plan for it. So you grow your business and you do things in a way that uh, would allow you to be able to enable resell later on down the road. Exactly. And, and know that there are now solutions for you to participate in resale when there weren't before. And so now there are companies like Treat that can work with brands of all sizes to help you get into resale. And so it's now possible. That's awesome. So thinking about the future, where do you see resale going? If you had a crystal ball, what would you be seeing? Well, I think we've, we've talked about a lot about the growth in resale. I think that's no shocker. We're just, we're just going to continue to see it grow um, from Gen Z all the way to Gen X and beyond. Um, you know, just as we've seen like technology adopted, really starting with the younger generation and going um, to the masses, that's where we're heading. You know, resale 10 years ago was basically inexistent 11 years ago. And with the advent of the thread ups of the world, the posh marks and the real real, et cetera, that came out, they helped this huge first wave of resale, which is getting especially younger consumers to adopt resale and to be to like as a part of their daily shopping habits. And where we're seeing now is the, um, the uh, like resale going into the masses and becoming more normalized, especially for brands. And so it's no shocker that someone like me will also predict that uh, more brands are going to get involved in resale. Um, what we think is that resale is going to be commonplace just as you're thinking about creating an email marketing strategy you know, what solutions you're going to be using for that. Um, we think that every apparel brand has to think about end of life solutions and resale solutions in their company alongside those other necessary things. And so that's where we see resale heading is just normalizing across the board um, for brands and consumers um, you know, all around the world. The last piece that we haven't uh, dug in so much in, which I think is also worth noting is like what happens after resale. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about like resale just keeps item in circulation, but what happens when there's goods that can't be resold? Um, and I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done is, and is starting to be done to make the technology better for end-of-life solutions, for recycling solutions, for textile recycling, et cetera, um, to, to, to enable that last piece of the puzzle. And so that's, that's, been, a, that's been a topic of, of uh, you know, difficulty and concern as well as like what happens afterwards. And so there are, there are other great companies that are coming out that are doing great things for helping uh, clothing be repaired. So it's like it's resellable and then it's repaired and then it gets recycled. Um, and so there's a lot more. We hope that in the next five years, policymakers and, and companies hop on board with creating the right solutions to, to keep items um, in circulation, even after they go to the landfill. So that's, um, that's where we'd hope to see it setting. Nice. Those are some great predictions for the future. And hopefully, hopefully they all come true. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's have a, let's have a recap in five years and see, and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see if you were right. <laughs> yeah. If you're interested in launching a fully branded resale experience, Treat is going to hook you up. As a Crash Course Fashion listener, Treat is offering 50% off of your first three months. No upfront fees, no setup fees. If you're interested in finding out more information, it's super easy to get started. All you have to do is go to treat.co slash CCF 
and enter your email address. And that's it. But don't worry, I got you covered. I'll also add the link in today's show notes to make it even easier because I got your back. (laughs) Expand your customer journey, increase LTV, and enable circularity with Treat. As always, thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to the podcast and rate and review. And follow us on Instagram at The Sustainable Fashion Forum to see what episodes are coming up next.